released. Nothing personal word of the day, December 29th. Three days left in 2020. The word is released. I think this is the first time that nothing personal in our 282 episodes, not counting the sit downs and other stuff we do, but 282 episodes where we have had words of the day back to back, totally opposite relating to the same story. So, you know, the process, we've got a process. Everyone's got a process. I think you're going to hear when we release a, one of the end of month mailbag bonus episodes that I'm sort of a routine guy. And this show is put together in a very routine way. Stories are percolated, percolating, they're massaged, they're discussed, then they're argued about, and then they're, dis- they're on the show, and then there's a post-show where basically it's just Coca acting like my father and telling me all of the things that are bad. So yesterday we had a word of the day, and the word of the day was improvement. And that's what Coach Ron Rivera of the Washington Redskins wanted for Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, the same guy who was, uh, he was the strip club guy, the no mask guy. He was the, I'm not going to talk to the media guy because I can't be found guy, but we told you on nothing personal that he could be found, but he just told the PR people to bugger off that guy. So he eventually did meet the media and he said that, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be better. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Okay, that's his line. I'm the president of the Washington football team, and I'm saying I don't know what he means by it is what it is because when you say it is what it is, that means that you feel like you have no control over what you're doing. You can actually do anything and just say it is what it is. I couldn't get my work done. Why couldn't you get your work done? Because it is what it is. Did you do that errand you were supposed to do? How did I have to, I couldn't have time to do the errand. It is what it is. You know, he was wide open on the left side and you were supposed to read the double coverage and make an audible and go to the right side. I, I didn't see that. It is what it is. All right. Jason Wright, the president of WFT, probably heard Dwayne Haskins, but realized that he was a protected player under the old rules of the WFTs, where Daniel Snyder, the owner, I like him. Therefore, we keep him. That was sort of how it goes with Washington. I like him. Therefore, we draft him. I like him. Therefore, we play him. We don't know why he likes who he likes. We don't know how he evaluates. He's not a scout. He's an owner. So the word of the day was improvement because that's what Ron Rivera, when asked about Dwayne Haskins just yesterday, said, that's what we need. Well, I guess it was two days ago because the show was yesterday. And I don't know what day you listened to this, but today is Wednesday. So it was Tuesday's show, I guess. And he said, we're looking for improvement. Okay. And so, oh, Coca, sorry. Wait, what is it? Okay. 5, 10, 20. Today is Tuesday. So I don't know when you're listening to this, but sometime on Sunday, Ron Rivera said, we're looking for improvement. So that was the word of the day for Monday. Well, all of a sudden, my phone dings in that dopamine inducing sound that makes me smile, wince, and grimace. Ding, da ding, 
Cha-ching. It's Coca telling me that Dwayne Haskins has been released. And so I responded, released? Is that Ron Rivera's view of improvement? Or did Ron Rivera mean that when he's looking for improvement, he means improvement addition by subtraction? I use that line a lot as president of a team when we release somebody. It's addition by subtraction. When we traded a player, we'd say, no, 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 we're way better. I used that when the Nationals got rid of Bryce Harper and didn't re-sign him. I said the Nationals are going to be better than the Phillies, addition by subtraction. That was before the Nationals won the World Series, by the way. So the word of the day today is released because something happened, and I want to tell you how it works. So Ron Rivera and Dan Snyder talk every day because owners and coaches talk every day, no matter what the owner tells you. And Dan Snyder said, what's going on with Dwayne? Because, you know, if we win on Sunday, we have a chance. We're in the playoffs. We win the division. So are you taking care of the issue with Dwayne? And Ron Rivera said, hey, Danny, we got a problem. This guy is going against everything that Jason and I are trying to accomplish, Jason being the team president. We're trying to change the culture that existed when we got here. I'm not blaming you, Daniel. I'm merely saying that you hired me to make changes. You're giving me input into the new name of the team. You're making me the spokesman on the whole Redskins into the football team. You're helping me design uniforms. You've given me the reins. And the question is, do I really have them? And Dan says, what do you mean by that? And Rivera says, listen, I... uh." I want to release Haskins. Snyder says, why? That makes no sense. We owe him money. And on top of that, it's like a dead cap hit of over $8 million. He still has a year left on his original rookie deal. I I thought you said that you were trying to help him improve. And Ron says, well, that was yesterday. Today, I believe it's in the best interest of the other 55 guys and I'm totally making up the number on the roster, saying it's 56. It's important that the other 55 guys know that today is different. That they recognize we're not going to do things the way they used to be done. Snyder says, but we do do things the way they used to be done. We're just pretending we've changed for PR purposes And I'm in this huge fight with my limited partners. So everything I do publicly is for everyone to know that days are different. But by the way, I'm in charge. I'm the owner and I like Dwayne. So Ron Rivera pulls the bunny out of the hat and says, all right, Danny. I'm throwing it down right now. You want to make the playoffs? Our best chance is with a cyborg with one leg and a practice squad dude. Believe it or not, that's our best chance to make the playoffs. And I don't you want to make the playoffs to prove that you know best? But Ron, making the playoffs without the quarterback who I drafted, who I insisted on drafting and signing, who has gone from starter to third string to second string to first string, from strippers to avoiding the media to all the stuff he's done wrong, but... If he can lead us to victory, that makes it all okay. Rivera said, here's it. Here it is. I want to release him. If you don't let me release him, 
then it will be very clear that it's the same old, same old in Washington. Ron said, call me back, won't you? Dan Snyder picks up the phone, calls his PR people, picks up the phone, calls his other advisors, whoever they may be, not in the football team, I assure you of that, and says, what do you think? Do I give Ron Rivera this type of power? Am I creating a monster here? Frankenstein? And he was told, give Ron this. Let Ron show you that he knows better than you do. But if the Washington football team loses this Sunday in its quest to win the division, now, if they lose, Coca, if they lose, is the winner of the Cowboys-Giants the winner of the division? And if they win, they're in? So, okay. So if they lose and don't make the playoffs because they start a fifth-string quarterback or the guy with one leg, great story, by the way, but the guy with one leg, then you have the power going forward like you always did. And all of the BS that Rivera and the new culture and bringing in Jason as the African-American team president, changing your name, we will sweep that under the carpet and we'll go back to business as usual. And Dan said, all right, I'm in for that. I can sacrifice another year of missed playoffs in order to let the world know that I was right again. So that's what's happening right now in D.C. It's going to be a fascinating week because right now, Ron Rivera is working 22 hours a day with both quarterbacks, putting in a game plan for Sunday's game to ensure victory because he does not want to be embarrassed, number one. And number two, he wants to show the owner that he's got it covered. It's going to be interesting, right? I mean, we're going into the final game of the season, as you know. The NL East is up for grabs, a bunch of Playoff spots are still up for grabs after yesterday's game. I'm, I'm going to definitely watch. I'm not interested in seeding games, right? It doesn't really matter. I'm far more interested in who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. And that's why when you have a chance to watch the NFC East, which we've been talking about all season long on this program, I get to watch the Cowboys Giants and then the football team. Who are they playing, Coke? Are they playing the Panthers by chance? I don't know why that would be in my head, although I doubt that's true. The Eagles, right? They're playing the Eagles who are playing for nothing. By the way, we're going to get to this later in the show, but I got to mention it right now. Last night, I watched the New England Patriots play, and it was the first game in 20 years that they played when they were not either already in or contending for a playoff spot. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Anyway, we're going to talk about the Patriots because so much happened last night's game. So much happened, including a nothing personal pick of the day victory. But right now, we got to get to the big baseball news. It took two seconds on Twitter at David P. Sampson to come up with this question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Sampson. So I want to talk to Sampson. It's from Half-Baked. Half-Baked is the movie, and if you're on vacation right now, I encourage you to watch it. I usually call for anywhere between one-quarter and seven-eighths baked to watch the movie, but if you're on vacation, I would go a full 16-sixteenths. In the movie, there's a character named Samson. People like asking me questions. People want to go talk to Samson. Do you get it? Do you get that? 
So you get in Twitter, David P. Sampson, ask a question. And here was the question. Did the Padres narrow the gap between themselves and the Dodgers by acquiring Blake Snell and you, Darvish? Huh? The What? The Padres acquired Blake Snell and you, Darvish? I thought it was just Blake Snell. And that hasn't even been announced. You, Darvish? The Cubs guy? Second in the Cy Young vote guy? The guy who's 34 years old with three years and $59 million left on his contract guy? The guy who had no command over his seven pitches until the last year when all of a sudden things turned around after a terrible start against the Marlins? That guy? The Padres acquiring Clevenger, Darvish, and Snell all within the matter of months? That guy? Yeah. It was rumored and then it was announced. Which means I immediately put sweatpants on over my skivvies, put a blazer on that had some pit stains, put a shirt on, went on HQ with Jim Bowden and had an argument with Bowden, which is what you want when you're giving, when you're analysts on CBS Sports HQ and him saying what a great deal it was for the Padres, what a horrible deal it was for the Cubs. And of course, CBS Sports HQ in their inimitable social media wisdom clips that tape to put on Twitter, that part of the segment, ignoring the part of the segment where I congratulated the Cubs for finding a moron to take Darvish's contract. And I don't mean that as a personal word toward Preller. That's a general description of the Padres organization. So what happened? I'm not a fan of Preller. You know that he doesn't deserve to have the job. So many other GMs out there. I'm not one of them because I'm not a GM. Commonly mistaken. Not a GM. Never was. Never will be. Don't even play one on TV. So many other qualified people to have that job. AJ Preller is the king of off-season acquisitions, phenomenal off-season press. He holds the victory for GMs to have won the off-season and won nothing more. Built up the farm system, top five farm system, and they still have it after acquiring Snell and Darvish. They didn't give up anything for Darvish except for three of the top 20 prospects they have, none of them in the top 10, plus Zach Davies. Hmm, Zach Davies. Mm, Nope, Zach Davies is going to pitch for the Cubs. He's a number six or seven starter. That's it. Preller, who gave up several of his top 15 prospects for Snell, but still has, according to people who know, who claim to know, none of whom when you're in baseball. A quick side note, all the farm system rankings, Baseball America, MLB.com, all of the people like the Keith Laws of the world who rank systems. Do you know that when you're in baseball, you don't pay one bit of attention to that unless you're in the top five and your major league team sucks. So therefore you can do a press release saying, hey, we have one of the top farm systems. Like it matters So A.J. Preller pulls the trigger, and I remind you what's going on in San Diego. Number one, they're in the NL West. Number two, they made the playoffs last year in a 60-game shortened season. Number three, they signed Eric Hosmer to a long-term deal that has not worked out. He's fine. They signed Manny Machado to that huge 10-year deal, 
and he's now entering year three. Got some MVP votes, but long way to go. They signed Will Myers and they can't trade him. They tried to trade him. They begged to trade him. They did everything they could to trade him. They were willing to pay down his money almost to Bupkis to trade him. No one would take him. He came back, had a pretty good 60 games. They got Fernando Tatis' son, who's damn good. They got Chris Paddock for Fernando Rodney. No idea where they got Chris Paddock from. Some team, I think it was at one of the Florida teams. Chris Paddock was supposed to be a number one or number two starter, except I told you that he's a number five starter. Turns out that's what he's going to end up being. And I only know that because that's what I was told by our scouts and development people who know what they were doing, despite evidence to the contrary that you all give me. Although you don't do that as much. So the Padres are saying we can catch those Dodgers in the NL West. That same team that won the World Series, the same team that's had a lock on the division, not quite as long as the Patriots, but it's getting closer. The same Padres who had a change in control this offseason. Change in control means that the owner named Ron Fowler, who was the control person, which simply means that at the end of the day, he's the one responsible to Major League Baseball when a decision has to be made or a vote has to be made as far as Major League Baseball votes are concerned. Let me give you an example. When Steve Cohn is trying to buy the Mets, he needs the vote of the Padres. The vote of the Padres is not the organization. It's the one control person. When there is a vote over who the next commissioner will be, there are 30 people who have a vote. To be a control person does not mean that you own the majority of the team, though MLB is trying to go that way. It doesn't mean anything other than you have been approved by MLB as, quote unquote, the control person. So Ron Fowler gave up his control as the control person to Peter Seedler, I believe is his last name, and I've met him 20 times. I've been in a car with him five times, and I've sat next to him 20 times. And I can't remember if it's Seedler or Seedlin, but I think it's Seedler. I apologize, Peter. So Peter became the control person. It is Seedler. Thank you, Coca. Good morning, Coca. Morning. So Seedler is the control person. Everyone is now saying, wow, he's loosened up the purse strings. That's not how it works. The ownership of the Padres is a conglomerate. Fowler is in that ownership group as well as Seedler. Just because Fowler is not the control person doesn't mean that decisions about what the payroll is going to be are now made by Seedler. No, they are made by the partnership that owns the Padres, where there's a general partner and the general partner, whether he's the control person or not, actually is the one who controls the budget. A.J. Preller, who has been protected in a way that I've never seen any GM or manager protected until this year, Tony La Russa was protected by Jerry Reinsdorf. That level of protection is rare and hard to find, and it usually comes with pictures of people with goats. But the protection, the protection that A.J. Preller has is staggering. A.J. Preller is the same GM that absolutely ruined the Padres that offseason when he won the offseason by signing James Shields or trading for James Shields, signing Craig Kimbrell, signing these guys. They come in, they stink, he trades them, he rebuilds, he builds the farm system, then he starts signing other long-term deals, then he gets Machado, and now all of a sudden, he's trading for two pitchers to go at the top of his rotation along with Mike Clevenger, who he acquired at the deadline last year when everyone 
on every media outlet said the Padres have done it. They've gotten the guy. Well, that guy now is Tommy John. Didn't pitch in the playoffs, except maybe to two batters. And uh, he's not going to pitch all of 2021. So then AJ Preller says, no problem. We're going to get Blake Snell. Blake Snell is the same guy who's never gone more than five full innings all year last year. But somehow it's been written that he's now this big innings eater guy. Former Cy Young winner at the top of the rotation. Preller says, no, no, not enough. We want another one. Meanwhile, what's going on in Chicago is the owner of the Cubs, the Ricketts family, ignore the fact that they're one of the wealthiest families in the country because the media is all over that. How could they be rebuilding and retooling when they are the richest people amongst the richest people in the country? Well, that doesn't take into account the amount of money the team loses or the amount of debt they have both on the team and with their other business, their ancillary development they're doing around Wrigley Field. You've got to get cash from somewhere. We've given you that concept on nothing personal. Cash just doesn't appear. Hey, look, I live in a big house. Give me cash. No. The Cubs needed to get rid of Darvish. Why? When you've got three years left on the six-year deal that they signed Darvish for $126 million, which was a horrible deal. When it was signed and a horrible deal today, even though he had a good year last year in 60 games. Don't give me your crap that he was second in Cy Young after 60 games. Who cares? Who cares? The Cubs needed to shed salary. They non-tendered Schwarber. They had a complete change because of COVID that no one could have predicted. Because the Cubs had planned in 2021 on contending and winning and being the tail end of the dynasty that started when they won the World Series in 2016 because of a third baseman named Chris Bryant. Do you remember the grievance that Chris Bryant filed with the Cubs because they felt that they held that Chris Bryant was held in the minor leagues and the Cubs held them so they could have an extra year of control? Remember I talk about extra years of control and how important they are? Guess what? This year is the extra year of control that the Cubs fought for for Chris Bryant and why they held him back. This year, 2021, the Cubs could not have predicted when they held down Chris Bryant, that 2021 would be an absolute merd show. They couldn't have predicted that. They couldn't have predicted no fans in the stands at Wrigley. We all know because we've told you that Rizzo and Baez and Bryant are all free agents in 2022. We all know when Theo left because we told you that he saw this coming because he was told what the budget was, didn't want to be a part of a retool, and by the way, was being tampered with and knew that his guys were going to be hired in New York. We'll get to that, I promise you. So the Cubs are looking for anybody. If there is a P.T. Barnum out there, they want to find him. P.T. Barnum, yeah, sucker born every minute. Jed Hoyer called 29 teams. Hey, do you want Darvish? Hey, do you want Darvish? Hey, we got Darvish. You want Darvish? Anybody? Darvish? Oh, you want us to pay down 50 of the 59? No, no, no. All right, anyway. Okay, do you want Darvish? Texting. Oh, the winter meetings are virtual? Who cares? Text. Okay, Darvish. All right, hold on. C, D, E. F A P 
Oh my God. Call Prella right now. Hey, we got Darvish available. You want Darvish? Yeah, you're going to have to take all his money. Yeah, we're going to want prospects back. Just give us, you know, some in the top 20. They can be young. We're good. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to take his money. Oh, yeah. We're going to need Zach Davies back because we actually have to have five pitchers who can pitch next year. We've got Hendricks at the, in the one. We're going to put Davies in the two. And then we're going to put Dopey, Sneezy, and Grumpy in three, four, five if Samson and Coca's elbows don't hold up. But it doesn't matter. Probably won't be fans in the stands because the vaccine's not going to come that quickly. Our revenues for crap. The team just isn't as good. We saw them lose two in a row to the Marlins after a 60-game season. Okay, you wait a minute. You, will, you better ask Peter or Ron. Who are you going to ask, Preller? Wait a minute. You, you'll take Darvish? What about medical? Do we need medical? Preller said, don't worry about medical. I got several sets of medicals. I'll give you whatever medical you want, and I don't care if your guy's hurt because I'm going to win the offseason. He's fine. Didn't he make 12 starts last year? By the way, we're going to need his personal catcher because he has a personal catcher. I don't love the fact that there's personal catchers, but we'll take that. Okay, good. Personal catcher for Darvish? Take him. No problem. Wait, you're going to take all 59 million, right? It's a joke, folks. I'll tell you right now, the Padres won the offseason. They won it. Congratulations. How many rings do you get for winning the offseason? Look at me. Ringless. Well, I actually have a ring, but that's not the year we won the offseason. The year we won the offseason, we got smoked in the regular season. Every team that wins the offseason underperforms in the regular season. It's math. It's definitional. I'm a little worked up about this trade. So you're asking me, did they narrow the gap with the Dodgers? No. The Dodgers will win the NL West again. Mark my words. As a matter of fact, Coca, book it, move it up in the show. Wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But I guarantee you, my wait to see for December 29, 2020, is the Los Angeles Dodgers will win the NL West. I could have put it the other way, actually in case the Diamondbacks or the Rockies somehow come out of nowhere over 162 games and GTH. Not going to happen. So I can't say, I guess I could say the Padres won't win the NL West. Should that be the way to see instead? Nah, that's, you know what? That's too wussy-like. The Dodgers will win the NL West. Wait to see. (sighs) Do you know that Steve Cohn tweeted about the trade? Steve Cohn is the owner of the Mets. Steve Cohn is the guy on Twitter. Yes, I've got dopamine jealousy. And someone tweeted as a response to his tweet, which was that it is no surprise. I I, I want to get this right. I'm putting on my glasses, Coca, because I want to give you the exact quote. Because wouldn't it be interesting if I got it wrong? But it had something to do with farm systems, right? And Steve Cohn was saying, oh, here it is. Hey, give the Padres credit. They had a top five farm system that gave them flexibility to trade for Snell. Newsflash, the Mets farm system needs to be replenished. I got a newsflash for you. And I responded to that tweet by saying, newsflash. You don't need prospects to sign free agents. Now, it turns out there was someone else on Twitter who had the same response, who had the same 
thought. And here was his answer. His answer was, and I quote, someone said, newsflash, signing free agents does not cost prospects. That wasn't me. That was someone else. His answer was, thanks, Vin. You should be my chief of strategy. (laughs) All right, let me give some strategy to the New York Metropolitans right now. When you overpromise and then underdeliver, your honeymoon period shrinks in lockstep to the amount of gap between the overpromise and the underdeliver. When you buy a team and you say that you recognize that payroll is going to go up, that you are going to be active with free agents, when you tweet the fact that you are that you are going to speak to your GM and wonder why there's not more activity, which is the biggest crock of crap I've ever heard. A, you speak to your GM every day. B. B, the reason that no free agents have been signed by the Mets is that you have not approved to give what the free agents want because that's how to sign free agents. To guarantee to get a free agent, you have to overpay. Now, you can claim that it's smart not to overpay, and I'll agree. You can claim that it's good to have a good farm system, and I'll say you're right. But when you come in like meatloaf, in the title track to one of the great albums of all time. And you say that you want a World Series three, in three, three to five years. When you are bemoaning the fact that there's not as much activity, but after the holidays, there will be. And then you compliment another team's farm system by saying your team's farm system stinks. All of a sudden, you're Derek Jeter who spent three years talking about how shitty his farm system that he inherited from us is. Therefore, he couldn't win at the major league level. Now, of course, they made the playoffs at 31 and 29. He's got a top 10 farm system and all's right in the world in Miami. And I'm not being bitter about it. I'm just saying when you've got the facts, you argue them. When you don't have the facts, you argue the law. When you don't have the law, you argue the facts. When you're not winning at the major league level, You pretend that you've got a good farm system and you hope to God you're highly ranked. When you've got a highly ranked farm system and you're winning at the major league level, you ignore that and say, hey, we're winning at the major league level. I just think it's funny. I think Steve Cohen, if you're not going to sign free agents and you're going to be a smart owner and not have new owneritis, yet you give James McCann four years, $40 million, And then you compliment the Padres for their farm system and make fun of people who say you don't need prospects to sign free agents. I'm just saying you may want to think before you press send. When we come back, there's a new one hour show on Netflix that is worth watching new documentary. We're going to review two things when we come back here on nothing personal. And then there will be a Daryl Morey mention. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. It is, it is September 29th. Okay. No, it's not. It feels like June. No, not really. Today is December 29th, 2020. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to Nothing Personal. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for all of your support this year. It's been a hell of a year. Didn't know that we were going to do shows yesterday and today, but how could we not? So much going on. And I love being with you for 45 minutes every day. Please tune in. We've got mailbag bonus episodes that are coming out tomorrow and Thursday. And then we'll be back on Monday, January 4th with episode 283. But over the next two days, you'll get some pretty good mailbag episodes. Those are when you ask me questions at Twitter at David P. Sampson. I just uh, want to take a minute and just say thank you. And I say that with humility. I appreciate your loyalty. You know I do. And I try to be in touch with as many as you as I can. Coca is also very appreciative because he spends the entire show as the producer sitting on a very uncomfortable squeaky stool that drives me crazy in my left ear because I hear this during the show. (laughs) Now, I'm not, he's definitely not doing, you know, Jeffrey Tubin. He's paying very close attention to the show. But Coca needs a new chair in addition to a trip to Europe. So Coca appreciates your loyalty as well. Part of, the, part of what we do and that I love on Nothing Personal, I love watching a movie every day, which I do. I've been watching a movie a day for decades, actually. I love them. I've gotten into TV the last couple of years. I love watching TV series. I get to review those. I watched two things in the last two days that I want to mention today. One is called Under the Grapefruit Tree, the CC Sabathia story. HBO released a, about an hour and seven-minute documentary. Although my other thing I'm reviewing may be an hour and seven minutes. One of them was 67 minutes and one was 83 minutes. I can't remember which is which. But I'm asking for 143 minutes of your time total with these two shows. Under the Grapefruit Tree is the C.C. Sabathia story. C.C. Sabathia, that Cleveland Indian pitcher, that famous Cleveland Indian pitcher. Do you remember him? Remember when he was traded to the Brewers after that great run in Cleveland, helped the Brewers to the playoffs? Remember he was then a free agent? He was with the Brewers for that half a season, beloved in Milwaukee. Then he signed with the Yankees, that huge contract at the time. Then won the World Series with them in 2009, their first year, the last time the Yankees won the World Series and was basically a cult hero because of it. That was the one World Series, believe it or not, that A-Rod and A.J. Burnett were both on those teams, which shocks me that you could put those characters on a team and win a World Series, but they did. The story goes through how he started his life by taking grapefruits from under a grapefruit tree and throwing them like baseballs, that he wanted to be a pitcher his whole life. That's why it's called Under the Grapefruit Tree. He's been with his high school sweetheart forever. They've got kids, several kids three, four kids. 
The story focuses on his career, but the interesting part of the story is the addict recovery part of the story. CC Sabathia was an alcoholic in a way that you see in clubhouses way more often than we discuss. An alcoholic, a functioning alcoholic, where he's able to take the ball every five days, but under all definitions, he's an alcoholic. Then he decided to get help. And he told his team that he was checking into rehab because he finally, in his mind, hit rock bottom when he says he couldn't throw a bullpen because he was so hungover. By the way, that's a Tuesday for many professional athletes and people in all professions when they're too hungover that they can't perform in myriad capacities. There is some mention in the documentary, some, that he chose rehab as the Yankees had clinched a playoff spot and were about to go to the playoffs. He chose that day to leave the team. He was lauded for his professionalism, his strength. And I want to be extremely clear where I stand on this. I want everyone to acknowledge when they need help and then to get help. I want every company to allow its employees to get help at any time that employee recognizes that he, she, or they need help. I want every company to support that employee financially, spiritually. I want that employee's job to be there when that employee gets through the other side of the gauntlet that is addiction, if there is even a way to get to the other side. And, not but, and, when you have an addiction, and this is hearsay because I don't have an addiction, they always say there's got to be that moment when you hit rock bottom, that moment that informs you it's time to get help. And you don't know what that moment is until it happens, and you know it only after it happens, and you say, that's it. I need help now. At the time, I was critical of his decision because for me, it left his team and his teammates without a performing starting pitcher. Not an ace. He wasn't an ace. He, hasn't, he hadn't been an ace in a long time. Too many injuries, too many surgeries. And I was critical of it, and I was wrong to be critical of it. I watched the documentary, and I realized that while I thought the timing was suspect, and I thought that leaving your teammates that way was a cover-up for his ineffectiveness, a cover-up for the fact that he was hurt, that his shoulder, his knees, his elbows, and his toes I was not aware of the length, depth, and breadth of his addiction. So watching this documentary gave me another reason to not judge without facts, which is a concept we have discussed here on Nothing Personal. I want to put you in a position where you want to do more research on a topic. 
I want to talk about both sides of an issue, whether it's political, entertainment, business, where you say, wow, that is an interesting point of view. I don't agree with it, but let me make sure that I understand his side. I understand what I thought my side was. Let me learn and then make a decision. Snapping judgment is what hot takes are about. The ability to admit you're wrong, which most shows and people will not do, is something completely different than that. Cece, I was wrong by saying to you that I didn't like your timing, by saying to you that I thought you had been selfish with your teammates, by saying to you that you were using addiction the way prisoners use alcohol addiction to lower their sentences by going into rehab when they don't have addiction. You know who I'm talking about. I was wrong. Watch the documentary and learn about CC Sabathia. It's a story of redemption. The other show to watch is called Death to 2020. It's a show that just came out on Netflix. I think that's the 67-minute one. I think. I think that's right. Sabathia was 83 and Death to 2020 is 67. Death to 2020 is a show on Netflix that has Hugh Grant playing a nutty professor. It has Samuel Jackson playing, I think, Samuel Jackson, but he's got a different name. It has several other actors and actresses playing characters describing the events of 2020 using real footage. So they go back to January and go all the way through now, all the way back to the fires in Australia, which I had totally forgotten about. I told you that the death of Kobe Bryant seems like 10 years ago. Going through the beginning of the COVID crisis, all the things that went on with the Democratic primary, which I had totally forgotten about. The craziness of the election. Some of the things President Trump has done or not done. And it does it under a veil of insanely funny, ironic humor. You're going to watch it and you're going to say to yourself, did that all really happen in one calendar year? I like to reflect on New Year's Eve, what's happened the previous year. I like to think about where I was last New Year's Eve versus this New Year's Eve, what changes have been made, what improvements have been made, what resolutions I made that I broke, what resolutions I made that I kept. I like making lists of resolutions. Death to 2020 fascinates me. Hugh Grant is segueing from a young romantic heartthrob into an old character actor with distinguished attributes. It's called Death to 2020. Check it out. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. Remember, I said we weren't going to pick and Coco got pissed at me because we weren't supposed to pick till Monday, January 4th. But how could I not pick the Bills because I wanted to be above 500? Well, we're 40 and 39. We had the Bills minus seven over the Pats. The Bills were minus seven over the Pats after like a minute. The Pats got crushed. As I told you, that was the first game the Pats played without being in playoff contention since 2000. Do you realize that that may be the most unbreakable record in all of sports? More than Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak more than Will Chamberlain's 100 points, more than Cy Young's 500 victories. 20 straight years of not playing a game that doesn't have playoff implications. Obviously, 
all 32 NFL teams play a game with playoff implications in week one. Get it? I'm going to do another pick of the day. Why? Because I'm hot. And if I end 40 and 40, I do, but this one's a give me. The Knicks beat the Bucks 130-110 with Giannis not sitting. I have no idea how that happened. The Bucks have a chance right now. They're playing the Heat. The Bucks are only giving four and a half to a Heat team that I think is playing without Butler. I'm hoping Giannis is not sitting, although I don't know for sure. But the Bucks are going to be back. Bucks four and a half over the Heat. We're going to try to get to two games over as we end the year. All right, to finish off, we got to talk about Daryl Morey. We're going to end 2020 the way 2019 sort of ended with Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, talking about China, leaving the Rockets, joining the Sixers. Well, he's at it again. Daryl Morey does not realize that when you post something on Twitter and you delete it, it can get screen grabbed and put in the world of social media forever. Daryl Morey was fined $50,000 by the NBA for a social media post that he has deleted about James Harden. James Harden, the guy who wants to get traded out of Houston, who wanted to only get traded to like one team, the Nets. Now he's willing to get traded to like 10 teams. And I had to wait to see that the Rockets were going to trade him, but they haven't traded him. He's playing for the Rockets. The Rockets are not playing well. They lost again last night. Well, Daryl Morey apparently talked about James Harden. And the NBA said, we're going to take this opportunity to take 50 grand. And by the way, fines do get paid. Daryl Morey has to give 50 grand. The first thing he does is he goes to David Blitzer and Josh Harris, the owners of the Sixers, and says, hey, will you pay my fine? Often as an owner and president, we would pay the fines of our employees. Sometimes we wouldn't. It would depend whether or not we directed the employee to do what he did to get fined, like a pitcher throwing at a hitter. It is very unlikely that Josh Harris or David Blitzer directed Daryl Morey to tweet about James Harden. They may have directed him to make a trade for James Harden, but tweeting about him is not the way to make a trade. Just give up enough first round picks and maybe a player or two, and you can get James Harden on your team. The NBA has tampering it has to deal with every single day. Why did they choose now to selectively prosecute and convict Daryl Morey and fine him? By the way, when you find someone, they pay the money. NBA takes that money and it goes into a pot that gets shared and distributed to charity. There's a pot that baseball has of all the fines. There's a pot the NFL and the NBA have. It's controlled by both the union and the league, and it ends up going to charitable causes. The NBA has to decide through Adam Silver when they're going to find someone and not because tampering is going on every single day. But Daryl Morey has on his head a dartboard. Why? Because of China, because of business. Daryl Morey has to be on his best behavior for the rest of his career because any time the NBA can be seen to discipline Daryl Morey for anything, they get to say to China, look what we did. They get to say to the world, hey, we don't agree with what happened with Daryl Morey because we miss you, China. We love you, China. We need you, China. Daryl Morey is 50 grand lighter in the wallet today and it has nothing to do with his tweet deleted about James Harden. It's all just business. Show me the money, Daryl. 
It's nothing personal.